0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia.
0: Isn't it convenient that we have a round table?
2: Well, it's actually it oval. Just say it. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: blind guy feels it now. Goes, wow, <laughs> I, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen, as we settle on back for the round table. It's always fun to get a, a chance to do different things with the roundtable. And we've been kind of playing around, experimenting, and had some really great conversations. We always love that with it. It's an open conversation. And today I've hand-picked the uh, items to talk about and uh, just a pretty straightforward roundtable for sure. We welcome in our guest for today to join Ramya and I Alex Smythe, of course, AMI TV reporter over on uh, uh, Now with Day Brown. He's settling in over there. And uh, what the hell else have you been doing these days, Alex?
2: Uh, Well, not too much uh, there, Kelly. You know, I just got back from uh, a week of vacation, so absolutely not too much uh, recently. But, uh, yeah, we got a few different things in the works that uh, we're working on with now, so it's uh, a fun new ride.
0: Did you decide to go caving or anything?
2: Uh, No, I I did not. I I lied on a beach in Aruba with some (laughs) uh, nice cold drinks on a hot sandy beach, so that uh, was the extent of uh, my last week.
0: Wow. And the most he did regarding caving is dig a little hole in the sand. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of curious, Alex, let's start kind of sharing this conversation. And I know I've had this a bit with Grant as as he adapts as well to working with our team. Um, give us the goods. What are the adapting goods that you've had to kind of start to formulate being part of a live show every day as opposed to researching taking the the time getting things together booking the guests and going on maybe a documentary or an am i this week shoot or you know what what has it been like with the I don't want to say change of pace I don't want to assume anything as to how you guys see it coming from what work you were doing to now mm-hmm. working on the daily grind of the of the live show
2: yeah, so it definitely is a change of pace. Uh, I, I think that is accurate just because, you know, having done what I did before in terms of my workflow and everything, I, I was doing things more ahead of schedule. I, I was down the road. I would work on one major project or a couple major projects at a time. But in in the live environment, as you and, and Ramya and everyone are so uh, aware of, it's like, you got a daily show you're prepping for you're you're going out you're trying to find guests to to fill in certain slots you have on the show so i I'm still able to lean on my experience of you know chasing down different interviews and and subjects things like that that I can uh, do with the show and then it's it's being present being live on air at nine a m in the morning that was probably the hardest adjustment I will say I am not necessarily a morning person. I I enjoyed being able some days to get up at eight thirty in the morning and be ready for work at nine. This time I I gotta be prepped. I gotta have all my scripts ready. I gotta be presentable. I'm on camera at nine a.m. So that's certainly uh, a big change for me. But I'm getting there. I'm 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 getting into the flow of things. And uh, you know we have um, there's always people going away on different vacations. So it's like filling in those roles and those gaps when they're gone. On top of your own duties, it's uh, it's. It's a lot of work, but it's it's also an exciting, uh interesting environment to be a part of.
0: I used to get asked that. Why would I ever when I was wanting radio, when I was a kid, people would say, Oh, why do you want to do that? Not TV. And I just, even then, just saw what I considered the excitement of it, the rolling with everything that comes up and happens. And, you know, as as we're starting to plan and everybody's doing so many different things right now, learning new roles and stuff like that as we get ready to go uh, to television ourselves, it, it's fascinating. Ramya, how do you know when to say as you're preparing today's show, uh, but you got... Attention, you got to put on tomorrow's or something else you've got to do, jot together promos. How do you budget where? I don't even want to say budget. How do you know when to say, I've worked on these promos enough, I'll come back to this, or and not get yourself so confused.
1: Mm, I mean, and I guess it's different for everybody, right? For me, what really helps is having a 1,000 alarms throughout the day. I just lose track of time so much. You knew I was going to say that. Yep. Um, <laughs> and Alex, I don't know if you do this, but it, when there's a lot of different components you have to work on throughout the day, uh, is the only way to really manage that time, along with you know showing up for meetings and other things like that that are already scheduled in, you... I can lose track very, very easily. Like I can be working on things for two hours straight and not realize how much time has gone by. So the only way to really make sure that I'm implementing um, some kind of like time management to say, okay, 20 minutes and then I have to move on to this other component or the, you know the one o'clock deadline means that I had to get to this before 1 pm or whatever. So anyway, timers and and alarms are my saviors.
0: So, Alex, that snitch John Melville on the last episode of AMI This Week uh, cornered you uh, in the in the office, and somebody happened to have a camera. And you guys got in that position of I- admitting to the fact that you were going to be doing the work on Now at Dave Brown, that you were go- we were going to see you on live, uh, covering on the show and things like that. Now that we've let the cat out of the bag about uh, our switch to TV coming in January... What kinds of things can you tell us about what's expected in the near future, what people will be seeing you do? And what for you has, other than the getting up in the morning, uh, obviously covering, knowing other people's jobs on top of yours. But is it the on-air potential, uh, even though you're a TV person and have done TV and it's not new to you, but doing it live? Or, or is it that, that grind and just kind of doing everything at once to, to get up to speed? What's been the hardest?
2: you know the live tv is is certainly uh, an interesting perspective and i think for myself i've always done this even when i was doing you know stuff for atw or or for postcards or whatever i i mentally had to like create in my mind an idea that i'm just looking at this camera no one is watching me do this no one is actually listening to what i'm saying just so i don't put added stress on myself i think that is the way that i can manage like this you know what could be very overwhelming live environment that oh no i need to be perfect every single sentence every single word like every single second because that that then puts more pressure on you that if you do have a slip up or you do uh, struggle with a word or a sentence or uh, lose a thought, then you're just kind of scrambling and, and you're, you're uh, creating more of an issue for yourself. So I always mentally be like, oh yeah, no, this I, I'm just talking to my computer webcam right now. There's no uh, nothing to worry about with regards to that. But in terms of what I'm doing and going to be doing more of, but we actually have uh, next week is going to be a great example of it. We're, we're hoping to get more kind of a a blending of what I was able to do with ATW, and and that's to get out into the community when possible, covering events and and bringing it in the live environment. So on Monday, I'm actually going to be uh, providing a, a live uh, remote to hit from the Odin Conference in Toronto, and so I'm going to be there. I, I'm going to interview a bunch of different people at the event, so we're going to be able to share that throughout the week on Now with Dave Brown and. We're hoping that, you know, that goes well and that we can continue to do that going forward because that's one of the great things that this channel and and working on the TV side where we were able to do is we could go and explore these community events, talk to experts for the disability community, find out what's the latest innovation technology research that's happening and share it with our audience. I I always like that aspect. So being able to do it for the Odin Conference next week with now with Dave Brown and hopefully down the road with other conferences that we have across the country. I think it's going to be a really exciting thing that we can include into the programming and not just have it that we're talking to an expert over camera, but we can actually be there. We can bring in our our knowledge, expertise in our our cameras
0: and have that conversation while you're there.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's always key.
0: Awesome! That's amazing. Great. Good luck with it too, because that will be kind of the the first as you guys are exploring and experimenting, and we're we're really learning and 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 adapting so many of these things. So that that is tremendous, Rami. I am going to start with you on this next one. Remembrance Day is tomorrow, and I am curious as through life as we were talking earlier about the Royal Winter Fair and experiences. I want you to think back to school to now. How has your commemoration of Remembrance Day changed for you? What and, and how often?
1: Oh, it's changed drastically, Kels. I think one of the big components of being part of school, being part of community where you're there every day, you're preparing for this, you have staff and other like leadership um, to help you commemorate, to help you even understand what to do. Uh, and then going from that to, hey, every year, you have to take it upon yourself, you know, you have to, um, understand what it is, maybe come to some personal realizations of why it's important to you and then go out and find the things that communities are, are leading and take part that way. So for me, you know, aside from, um, just the, 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 uh, at, on the 11 o'clock hour, taking that moment, uh, so much has changed and, I've been able to channel a lot of it into our content here at AMI, um, you know, t- understanding and recognizing that we as a media source uh, can create so much of that opportunity for people where they can involve themselves. But it's very, very different from being in school and going and having assemblies and gathering uh, and taking part in choir or other performances uh, and just it, it being in solidarity with so many other people.
0: I'm of the age of, we were off of school. Um, there was very much uh, uh, that that pause at 11, but the whole day, lots of programming that was on. But you took that day to think, And and, a, and being a person of color, I've always been reminded of how fortunate I was to be here that these soldiers went over to protect the safety and our, our rights. So I've always been very, very thankful, at least on the busiest day, uh, Remembrance Day, to take the two minutes, to try to wear the poppies as much as I can uh, for the build up and, and to thank in in my own way. Have I seen it really change? I think. Losing that day where we're off work uh, or or weren't going to school because of it and now things are now a, a little different, I think we're really trying to come back with it um, and, and certainly not forget, especially as we have less and less soldiers who are alive today to share the stories, to tell us stuff. So I do feel I've seen the change, but for me, I've been able to keep it that time I have always given on that day. Um, I've, I've always been able to do so. And I keep the same, what I consider reasons for me that I'm so thankful of what these, these guys did, um, men and and women alike to preserve our, our freedoms. Alex, for you, have you seen it change? And are you one of those people that kind of feels a bit, what are we doing? Not having more time off, more events to, to honor these people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I'm certainly of the mind that we we have the day to commemorate. You know, the sacrifices that these brave men and women have have made for for us and our country, for you know, uh, for since the Confederation. And it's like we already have some provinces that make it a full fledged day that you have it off. You can reflect. You can uh, commemorate and celebrate it in the way that you you see, uh, deem fit. And I I agree with Ramya because that was how I was kind of raised. With you had the school assemblies, you know, you had. Uh, I remember in high school, uh, it would be every time they would bring in a a bugle player at uh, for uh, for the ceremony, and and it was always very touching. But as soon as you you leave that structured environment, it it now falls upon you to find a way to celebrate to commemorate. And I always try to when I can. It's it can be difficult just depending on. You know, what your circumstances, if you're working and things like that, especially if you don't have the opportunity to uh, take those that time and and reflect. So I I would definitely be in favor to have the day that we can take the time, commemorate, celebrate it in in our own way. And there's so many different ways that you can do that and so many different ceremonies that you can go to. And each one is unique and different because anytime I think of Remembrance Day now, I was very fortunate uh, a few years ago to go and visit Juno Beach, and that was just something that was wow. very powerful. And I I wish I had more time to spend there. But every single time I think of Remembrance Day now, I think of Juno Beach. I I think of the the markers there that commemorated the soldiers who who died on that beach, and it always kind of sticks with me. And it's like, okay, I need to reflect. I need to remember why they were there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember that as a child seeing the crosses um, on TV when uh, you know they read the poem and yeah it, it, with my vision where it is now that is one of the things that i think of remembrance and i always think of the vast shot and i think at that age of 4 or 5 years old how much i realized oh my goodness these are people's graves
1: mm-hmm. so far mm-hmm. from home yeah
0: um a western michigan library uh is feeling some heat from residents The library in Jamestown Township outside Grand Rapids has LGBTQ materials on its shelves. Some residents are opposed to that, and the library has lost most of its funding with the latest rejection of the renewal of a property tax millage that was defeated as part of Tuesday's general election. And now the library will lose 84% of its $245,000 budget. A conservative Christian group called Jamestown Conservatives urged residents to vote no on the millage, citing concerns the library was grooming children with books containing explicit material and LGBTQ themes. Todd Ant, ABC News. So we talk about banned books, Ramya. We've talked about it um, on this program, and, you know, some people's, uh, we all have our viewpoint. Here, when I hear something like this, again, being low vision, it's not like I run around in the public library checking out what I've got on the shelves that I could pick from. I know there's stories of all kinds, um, fiction, nonfiction, so on. But I always thought that to check something out... There was obviously like movies, like shows, a rating system. So if you're too young, you're you're not checking that book out. Um, that there's, you know, walking through to see what people are doing, whether they're harming books or not. I'm not sure I'm correct here um, because I understand some people may disagree with some of the content in a public library. But I guess my view is, yeah, but if you're younger and there's certain things you're not to be seeing, you shouldn't be seeing them even in the public library, just like a theater.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's a bit different from saying something like uh, you can't be watching movies that are, you know, PG-13 or rated R or whatever if you're a kid, right? With books, I mean, yes, you're right, like there could be some content that you're like no this is you're you're too young for this content etc etc but from this clip like just hearing why uh these books are being banned or censored from these libraries feels wrong it feels absolutely wrong it feels like people are just injecting their own opinions of what's right and what's wrong in the world and then saying yeah because of this we can't be teaching lgbtq plus uh perspective um to our kids what the hell's going on here? Like, when did we start doing this all over again? It's, you know, 2022. This is what we're supposed to be teaching our kids. The exposure is what we're relaying to the younger people.
0: Yeah, I have trouble, Alex, when we let kids watch things because we're not keeping track. That is really, you know, and again, I'm not going to tell somebody they should or shouldn't let their child watch what they want to if you're going to sit there with them and explain things.
2: Yeah, well and that's the thing, right? There the context is always important and, and that's uh that there is a value that having rating systems on, on certain subject matters uh to to ensure that it's like, okay, when you are consuming this this media, whatever it is, mm-hmm. there is uh, you're you're at a point where you can get some of the context from it. I, I agree with Rami though with in terms of this clip, this seems that it's more than just this is a rating system. This is all, well, you know, they're too young for that. This is part of a uh, a broader social uh, conversation of trying to censor content that certain people do not like or do not think other sh- people should have access mm-hmm. to. That is a very Absolute different conversation. Censorship. And and the, the best part is that we know censorship does not work, especially in a Western democracy. People are going to find the content and if you say you can't view this or you can't read this it's going to make people who otherwise didn't really may not have cared about the content they're going to seek it out they're going to want to see it now because it's this is causing controversy well screw you i'm i'm not going to let you dictate what i can and can't read mm-hmm. i'm going to go and seek it out and i'm going to to read it as a result but the thing is too there's there's plenty of different content that's appropriate for all ages that cover these type of lgbtq stories uh there's one that uh, i remember uh having to to cover when i took a children's literature class called entangle makes three it's a beautiful story about uh, uh a penguin couple raising raising a child and it, it's done in a, a manner that is under, uh, for children to understand but it is an lgbtq story and some people don't appreciate that just because of what they perceive the message to be sending, where the actual message is everyone can be a loving uh, parent and you can create a family regardless of what your situation
0: is. Alex, always wonderful for the contribution to the roundtable. Thank you, sir. We'll have you back on soon. Good luck with everything going forward, and we'll look for you on AMI-tv on Now with Dave Brown. We'll
1: step aside, folks. We'll be back with more in a moment.